Hello and welcome to Off The Fence. This is your weekly rundown of all things jump racing. You know the drill by now. Give us a like on all social media platforms and subscribe on the At The Races YouTube channel so you don't miss a single episode of Off The Fence. But that's all the housekeeping out of the way very quickly because we have so much to catch up on. Obviously a new year and we've missed about 10 days of top class racing over the festive period. And I'm joined as always by Barry Geraghty and Tony Keenan to give you a rundown to look back but also to look forward to see where the results lead us where these horses will go and of course focusing in on the Cheltenham Festival and beyond as we count down now to the big week in March uh very quick hello Barry how's your Christmas period you were very busy I saw I was busy yeah besides uh plenty of time to tuck in and treat myself and got fat and everything like that all the usual, all the usual. Same, same applies to me too. And Tony, I think you were a bit less busy. Yeah, not so good here. I've been um, isolating basically since about the 20th of December. So look, I haven't caught it yet, but my family has. So uh, I don't think anyone wants me bloody boring COVID stories. But uh, yeah, I thought, I thought the last 10 days have been brilliant. There's been more happened really in the last 10 days than happening probably the two months beforehand. An awful lot of stuff to look back on and um, probably things to learn for the next two or three months. Absolutely. Yeah, bang on. When you sort of build up to the festive period, then it all comes at once and it's like a feast of racing. Uh, let's get stuck straight in and we're going to go straight to the King George on Boxing Day, Stephen's Day, whatever you want to call it. And of course, it's been well documented by now. We were really looking forward to it as a top class lineup for the big race. And then the outsider of the lot wins it in Tornado Flower under a brilliant ride by Danny Mullins. But Barry, ultimately, for me, the race disappointed. Where do you stand on it? You could say that, but, you know, Kempton's a very different track from, from Cheltenham and it's a different three-mile test. And if you look at the, the superstars in the King George over the years, Cotto Starr and Desert Orchard being the two, Cotto Starr running the champion chase, he won Tingle Creeks, Desert Orchard running the champion hurdle. So they're proper speed horses. Um, and the three-miler, the old-fashioned three-miler, he can get, get caught out. And for me, I didn't. I was against Manila Endo going into the race um, just because I thought the track was too sharp for him. And they paid the price because the easiest way to get a horse beaten is go too fast. And they were, the field were going too fast for the first circuit. But Manila Endo, especially because his natural cruising speed is over for three and a quarter around Cheltenham. It's but, not for a, a flat, quick three mile around Kempton. But it's rare you see Rachel get it that wrong, really. And I think we can say that she got it wrong on the day in terms of the pace they went early. What do you think happened there? Do you think Frodon threw her into a bit of an early pace battle? Or do you think that was always the tactics, but they just got it wrong I don't really understand why because we could all see watching it on that they'd gone very fast yeah no it's just they got drawn into it and um, Frodon didn't get it as easy on front this year as he did last year which we knew going into the race and you know and um, Manila Indo's trump card is stamina so they rode him forward they rode him aggressively she took on uh, Frodon jumping the last with a circuit to go and pressed on and soon paid the price so you know, that was that was the collapse, if you like. But then the horses who were ridden from off the pace, you know, Tornado Flyer coming from way back, St. Calvados, he was last for most of the race. And then with about five to jump, he flies up on the outside. Like, Gavin Sheehan is a brilliant rider, and I'm a big fan, but I'd have given him six penalty points for speeding here. You know, he got involved way too soon. And um, 
Clandazoba went with him from the fort last, and Danny Mullins just used his brain and just sat and waited and waited. But he's on a horse who had, was second in the John Durkin last year, a natural speed horse for this race. So he was able to travel, and albeit you might question his, his level of ability or his class, but at this trip, on this kind of track, it was ideal for him and it played into his hands. But Danny was brilliant, dropped in, took his time. The, both him and San Cavalos were a long way off the pace early on. And, you know, it was a brilliant ride for Danny because he just kept waiting and creeping. I think when I was watching it, actually, and watching the replays, I re it really reminded me of something you said on this show, I think, last season, where you were talking about the difference, or you and Tony were having the discussion about different riding, um, the way races pan out differently in Ireland versus England. And obviously, I'm sure it was you, Barry, who said, in Ireland, it's sort of like the biggest sin to go too soon. And obviously, Rachel was up in the front vanguard, but we sort of covered that. But in terms of, it was like Brian and Danny who uh, really were not drawn into that early pace battle, which I thought was really interesting. But uh, to move on, what which horse would you be taking out of the race going forward as a Gold Cup horse from now? Yes, I'm not sure, you know, the first few that there, there's Gold Cup contenders there. So Planda Zobo could come back again, maybe. But Manila Indo, I believe, I read afterwards that Henry said he came home. He was very shook. And that's not surprising because he had a tough time, put the cheek piece on him as well. And that's going to make him go harder than he needs to do. So um, if he bounces back, he's possibly at the minute going to be way overpriced for the Gold Cup being last year's winner because Cheltenham's is staying. All his farmers on staying tracks. And he's, you know, his farm in Cheltenham, Albert Barkett, RSA Gold Cup. It's similar to Bob's work. It's That's top level, obviously. Absolutely. And Tony, we can focus in on Ireland and the big uh, open three-mile staying chase over there with the Savills chase. And kudos to you for tipping up Galvin under a brilliant ride by Davy Russell on the day. Gets up on the line to do a Plutard. Uh, talk us through what you made of the race. Was it is Galvin a genuine Gold Cup horse or should, if the race be rerun, a Plutard be winning that race? Uh, I thought it couldn't be a more different race tactically than the King George, which was where the, the weather went really hard um, from very early stages. The, the Leperstown race was just very, very tactical and um, slow gallop. I think we're from it is that the front two, the, the Galvin and the Plutard were probably better than the form in the three run race. I'd expect them to pull further clear. Camboy probably a little bit flatter. I don't think Janet stayed three miles even at, even at that kind of a tepid pace. Um, I thought Rachel Blackmore was her usual ruthless self on a Plutard um, comment after the second last, Barry and Davy Russell. Um, and I think it's a massive credit to Galvin that he was able to extract himself from that pocket, come around a Plutard and still quick enough to win it. And they really were quickening from the, from the second last. Now, that's fair going out of a horse that won a national hunt chase, um, trying to catch a horse that's already won a grade one or two miles. Um, now, I don't think Galvin's a typical National Hunt Chase horse because that, that National Hunt Chase was slowly run last year, but that was a hell of an effort out of him. And I think it's just all positives with him at the moment. Um, he's got a mix of speed and stamina. He's got proven uh, track form around Cheltenham. I thought the, they learned a bit as well um, last week that they were able to ride him forward, which hasn't been a thing with him in the past. I thought he coped with that very well. I thought he jumped better than he ever has. Um, and look, if the ground is anyway decent on the Friday of Cheltenham, I can't see him not being involved. Um, like Manel Indo, to me, I wouldn't want anything to do with him for Cheltenham. I actually think he's a, he's a pretty bad price for the Gold Cup at the moment. Like the, the cheap pieces went on him in camp, and 
I, I was really fancying him, and that was just a massive, massive red flag for me. Um, Henry de Bromp had never put cheek pieces on a good horse that's in its prime. He did use them on days in Europe, going back um, in his later years, when he was 11 and 12, to kind of sharpen them up. But I mean, Ellen was coming off a season where he just want to go with Pop. He's putting cheek pieces on him six months down, nine months down the line. I didn't like that at all. Um, so don't really want it to do with him. Yeah, I, I would think the Leperstown form is going to be far more impactful um, for the Gold Cup. And just, just to mention one horse there from, from the, the King George, I thought St. Calvin was an absolute screamer. Um, what Barry said there, like that Gavin Sheehan, he seems to have lost the job off the back of that raid. Uh, so what's yeah. that degree, a degree of simply affirm that that's tough that's tough now but it, yeah he got, got there way too soon horses powers through the race like a, two, a real two and a half pile he'd be an interesting horse just gone down and trip um but as regards to the blue ribbon itself i'd say it's more like this leperstown um will be significant and arguably i think we'll come to this maybe events and some more as well yeah absolutely so it sounds like you're very much with galvin as a gold cup prospect at least to be sort of in there at the end pitching uh, Barry, what was your view on the Savills chase? And would you take a Plutard to reverse the form with Galvin back at Cheltenham? Or do you think that he's a genuine Gold Cup horse? No, I think he is a genuine Gold Cup horse. Um, I'd say he was fortunate on the day, um, but Cheltenham is a different mm. story. I think Cheltenham will play more to his strengths. Um, he's obviously won there before, but he, I think he's going to be better for it. And as Tony says, give him decent ground as well. But I thought at Plutard, Rachel made a lot of ground. She, she got put wide and into an ordinary position. Um, because he jumped to his right and kept her out there, she was four wide going to the third last, and she made a lot of ground going round them all from there to the turn in. And being honest, if she had a stayed following uh, Galvin, rather than stick Davy in the pocket and just followed him down the straight and rode him like the two-mile horse he is and has the pace for a two-mile, I think she would have beaten him. So, But that doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to happen the same in Cheltenham, as we discussed earlier, different tracks, different track maybe a stronger pace as well, which you'd imagine too. Okay, so Tony, let's bring it back to you and bring in Albion Photo, obviously winning in Tranmore for the 10th year in a row, it seems. In what looked, I mean, in the end, just seemed like a sort of morning schooling, really, with all four runners being from Willie Wellens' yeah. yard. Uh, what did you make of his reappearance? What did you make of the race? And it, I, I think he's still, I think right now, actually, uh, Albion Photo represents a bit of value for the Gold Cup. Yeah, I come back to your first point, first of all, yeah, a bit embarrassing really did the race, the, the other three jockeys wanted a bit of a look at themselves to start trying a bit harder, it, it didn't look great, Um, that, no. that's just not good, no, it's not good enough for them just to be leaving them have it just solo completely, I know the three others are from the same yard, but come on lads, put in a bit more of an effort than that, Um, as regards the Gold Cup, not for me, I, I think the perfect storm, the two years that he won it, Um. I think again, last week, uh, New Year's Day, his jumping is it, just a little bit in and out. He's, he's always been like that. Um, that I, I'm just getting on in years. I, I don't like backing older horses in the Gold Cup. I'd always try and take a chance. The horse hasn't been there before. Um, and even see something like Manel Indo, it seems to have to take so, a lot out of him last year's win. Um, but I, I think far and away the most interesting thing to come out of this race is Willie, Willie Mullins is having a go at Leperstown for the, for the, gra- about the ground for staying chasers. He, he was asked, where are you going to run this horse next? He's asked... Now, a little bit of whinging and crying, saying there's no races. There are races if you want to run them on less than ideal conditions, maybe, you know, a little bit shorter than ideal, maybe carry a penalty, maybe sit too close to Cheltenham. But um, this is actually a little bit worrying now for the Dublin Racing Festival, that he's having a go with them, but the ground, um, basically saying, chase like it's not suitable for staying chasers, basically calling it glorified summer jumping ground. 
Gordon Elliott had a cut at them last year, basically said he wasn't, wasn't running and Vi Allen on it because the ground is too fast. Um, last week, they're having to water it during racing. They've had the guts of they've had over 40 mils of rain, I think, in the week before, and still riding on the fast side. I don't know what they're going to do about this, but it, when you have your two top trainers are, are cribbing about it the whole time, um, I'd say you've got a fairly significant problem. And, you know, what's going to want to run in, in those races um, come early February? I, I do wonder, actually, last year, did, did one or two Willie Mullins actually get injured at that meeting or something? Like Monkfish was never, wasn't the same horse afterwards. Um, he, he was brilliant. He had two runs at Leperstown there in the middle of the season and then on the Wellman at Cheltenham and injured a punches time. Yeah. Um, was there something in that? So uh, I wonder if there are a few scars there. It will be interesting to see whatever with the hurdle strike. It's going to be very interesting to see what turns up in these good chases that weekend. Because at the and minute, Tony, is, is, is the deal there that once the New Year kicks in, Leopardstown don't want to put too much water on the track because of the flat season, obviously? Or is that is that just rumour mill stuff? Is it just that they can't get enough water on it to have a good enough effect? What What's the deal there? Because that was the rumour that was sort of going around that the flat trainers all said, stop watering Leopardstown for our spring meetings, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't. I don't honestly know. I'm sure it's something to do with with watering and things like that. Obviously, you see the odd flat meeting there when it rides, drain rides a certain way. Jockeys are looking to come as wide as possible, nearly out onto what is the chase track or close to it. Um, yeah. I don't know. And I suppose the fact that the the flat season and the national hunt season are, can be quite close together at Leopardstown. Um, you know, they're finishing up their last jumps meeting in March, and I think there is a flat meeting in March, if not. And there's early April and plenty of racing flat racing. Yeah, it's very April. close, isn't it? Yeah, it's just hard to manage everything. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's not ideal if you're advertising as a flagship meeting when you're two top trainers saying, "Well, don't really want to run or stay in chasers there, and maybe don't want to run or chasers full stop." Yeah, it's a very interesting angle and watch one that we will watch unfold in the build up to the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, before we move on from the open chasers, we must touch upon Shishkin. Obviously, he made his belated re- seasonal reappearance, but it was worth waiting for. Incredibly impressive at Kempton. Um, Barry, what I mean, you couldn't help but be impressed. It was sort of a nine out of ten performance. You're really sort of scraping the barrel if you're looking to find holes in it. I mean, I, I wasn't, given the hype beforehand, I actually wasn't expecting him to be as impressive as he was on the day. Yeah, I would have been a little bit the same, and especially on Kempton being such a sharp track. He, he can at times race a little behind the bridle, but no, he, I thought he was brilliant. Um, Travelled away nicely. He was still a little bit lazy at times, but when Nick was set him a light early in the straight, he was brilliant. Um, still goes a little bit left, but obviously going to Cheltenham, that's going to suit him fine. But he, I thought he showed great pace and just showed his class. Um, and obviously, I'm a bit of a big Norgamine fan all the way through, but... I was really, of what he did, he did last year as a novice was really good, but I thought he raised the bar again with this run. So no, he, that will be some clash if that happens in the Clarence house, but um, you'd have to be really impressed by him on the day. And I was just wondering where you took the one off from Vanessa that you didn't give him 10 out of 10. I don't know, just like perfection. It's like a unicorn. It doesn't actually exist, Barry. I don't like to give tens out willy-nilly. Um, so, but actually you might as well get off the fence now. If they meet in the Clarence house, so not Cheltenham. If they meet in the Clarence House at Ascot, who would you side with, Barry? Because we know you're a big Energumin fan. We know you're a big Shishkin fan. Around Ascot, who would you side with? Oh, you're splitting hairs. Um, and maybe going right-handed <laughs> might suit an Energumin because it might be the little thing that could affect Shishkin. Just go, he only goes fractionally left, but all it takes is a fraction, a little. It might cost them a half a length. I don't know, but they're two classy horses and it'll be, it'll be exciting when they do meet. 
very exciting division, full stop. And Shishkin is now 11th attempt for the champion chase. Uh, we can move on to the open hurdlers. Plenty to get through here. Barry, quick mention to Sharjah, obviously winning a fourth Matheson hurdle. Is that the best anyone's got to throw at Honeysuckle now in the champion hurdle division? That For me now, it seems like a, a pretty weak division with a lot of people, you know, a lot of horses deciding to go chasing, whichever way you want to look at it. But it seems like we're going through a bit of a lull in the two-mile hurdlers. And Sharjah, for me, does what he does around Leopardstown. But is he a legitimate champion hurdle contender? Well, he's been placed twice in, in two champion hurdles, so he is a contender. We're not, talk, we're not talking about placing, Barry. We want wins only. Win only. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that, Vanessa. So, uh, <laughs> Honey Suckle, obviously brilliant last year. I thought Zana here, he showed the level of form that I thought he was capable of. He hadn't got the shot up last season. I thought that was a brilliant run. He'd be better suited by a stiffer track, slower ground, all those things that play his strengths. San Roy, who I won the county hurdle on two years ago, another horse we thought was going to be doing an awful better than last year. I thought he stepped forward again. Um, so that was, for me, they're, they're two very interesting horses for the champion hurdle. But then the one you're forgetting about as well then is appreciated. We're waiting to see him. I'm not sure when he comes out, but he's staying hurdling. And the performance he put in the Supreme, you'd have to take note on that. If he turns up at that level of form, he might be the one to give Honeysuckle most to do. That is very true. That is very true. I'll take that from you. Sorry, Barry. I feel like I had an early dig at you there. And then you made some very valid points. Uh, Chartres is now 10 to 1 for the champion hurdle if anyone does fight that fight, like that about him but as Barry's pointed out there's probably cases for me for plenty more in there taking on Honeysuckle uh, Tony let's move on to my favourite what has become my favourite division of the national hunt season so far the staying hurdlers classical dream versus flooring porter over in Leopardstown drama about the start drama about the race itself uh, what did you make of the of the contest in the end yeah, the, the start played a part. It, it, it wasn't an ideal start. Classical Dream, Rob would have a five or six lengths. Um, but my number one takeaway is that the second doesn't really want to win. Um, I, I thought he was he got close enough to him at points that, that if he wanted to press him, but it's just in the finish that um, he's just hanging in behind and, and talking his jaw and he doesn't want to know. Uh, looking back on his nav and run where he fell, I, I just think his temperament was getting the better of him. He's lugging about this way and that between his hurdles. Um, and I wouldn't trust him at all going bidding for a back-to-back stairs hurdle. I'd say Connections have done a brilliant job to keep a lid in him to this point. Um, but the problem now is he just has to lead now because he's not. He's, I don't think he wants to go by a horse um, that's of broadly equivalent ability. And everyone knows he has to lead. And there's no way he's getting a soft lead. The element of surprise um, last season where people were saying Leperstown was a fluke. Um, it wasn't a fluke. He got the job done, of course. But... This time around, I think you're almost guaranteed there's going to be a strong pace because there'll be something that's going to set up his backside or even want to lead him in the stairs. And that could probably, I don't, classical dream, I don't know, will he want to lead again? I think that was just a, a product of the, of the start and, and the horse kind of made up the jockey's mind. But um, yeah, Flown Port was the one negative I, I would take away from it rather than any major positive. Okay, very interesting. And Barry, would you concur with that or disagree? No, I, I, I disagree. Um, he does hang in left. He did that last season in the, in the stairs hurdle. He did in Leopardstown when he won this race and he, he nearly ducked off the track at the back of the last hurdle. So that's his way. You're not going to change that. Um, I do think he's a very good horse and he is six raising seven. So he's, there is still potential for improvement in him. Um, but I was really impressed by the winner. 
we mentioned on the last show, Patrick Mullins was comparing him to maybe big bucks or English driver, and he shaped like like one here this week. Um, to go as he did from the front, he was running with the choke out. He was doing too much. Florian Porter was up his tail. I would agree with Tony. He's hanging in behind him, but that's how he goes. I suppose if he was in front, that would be better for him. But I think if Classical Dream was settled behind a strong pace, the way he travels, the pace he's shown, he's a supreme novice order winner. I'd, I'd love to see him just sit in behind a few, follow. He would have some level of pace. Um, but then don't forget Champ, who obviously won an Ascot as well before Christmas. He brings a very strong level of form too. So it's it's shaping up to be a very, very hot stairs order. It really is. And Barry, just a quick note going back to the start, because it's been covered, it's been well covered, I think. But uh, if you were Danny Mullins, how cross would you have been at what at what ended up happening, which I think was just a victim of circumstance to a sort of series of unfortunate events which led to it. But how how pissed off would you have been, seriously? Yeah, no, I think it was just circumstance, but you know, you're you're on a tricky horse and he comes wide to try and keep out of trouble. So he paid the price for that. But I'm sure they'll just take a chance and line him up and hope he doesn't charge the tape at Cheltenham when he goes next. So he's a difficult horse, there's no doubt about that. I'm sure Danny was raging at the time. And I'd say he had a few choice words when he was galloping past the starter, but um, that's racing, what do you do? Um, it was just one of those things. So on the stairs hurdlers then, obviously Tony is a negative on Florian Porter, big negative and a bit indifferent on uh, classical dream. Barry, big fan of Classical Dream, but Barry, you're also a big fan of Champ. If Champ went the stairs hurdlers way, uh, would you think that he has a touch of class over Classical Dream? But now it sounds like actually you think Classical Dream has the class. Well, Classical Dream has the class on his, his supreme novice hurdle win. You know, and then he's proven himself twice now over three mile. But Champ is a very, very classy horse. If he was to turn up in the stairs hurdle in the form he was in at Ascot and allow for improvements on that run being his first run, you know, that's, to me, the two of them are, are pulling away from the field and Florian Porter's next best. Yeah, it really is a division, all joking aside, it's a division that I, I genuinely do love and I'm really looking forward to this year. Uh, Barry, very quick word on Epitont. Uh, I, I was actually very impressed with her, a bit like Shishkin fell into that category for me of, oh, I, I wasn't quite expecting that from her. Uh, I know the race fell apart somewhat, but she's still going to have to build on that to get near Honeysuckle, isn't she? Yeah, I thought it was, I was impressed with myself as well. And uh, not so sleepy, stood at the start. She was left in front. She got a bit keen. She jumped brilliant, showed great enthusiasm. Probably didn't finish out as well for that enthusiasm through the middle part of the race. But I thought it was a step back in the right direction. But she has another bit to go to catch Honeysuckle and go. And I think just last thing with you, Barry, I think you wanted to give Danny Mullins a special mention for his ride on uh, Stormy Island at Cheltenham on New Year's Day in the Relkill Hurdle, didn't you? You were impressed with that as well. Barry's, um, Danny's, Danny's riding out of the skin at the moment. He is right now with skin. But Danny proved that last year when he got the spare riding floor in Porter, gave him a brilliant ride from the front. So I don't think there is a jockey who's better from the front at the minute than Danny Mullins. He's brilliant. But then on the flip side, he showed how patient he was and how good he is to come from off the pace to King George. So I thought two brilliant pieces of riding in two, you know, top class races by you know, a jockey who's only he's was he second string or third string in Willie's yard. And um, but he's he's you know he's making the most of every opportunity he gets. 
he really is and a great guy to boot I think we can agree on that uh let's move on to the novice chasers again so much to get through here and Tony everyone's gone mad for Galopin Deschamps uh literally gone mad for him and as a result his his price for the Brown Advisory Novice Chase at the festival is ridiculously short uh are you in the a pro camp or are you against him at this stage he was brilliant. Um, last horse, I remember doing anything like that, Leopardstown was nicknamed, and that, that's a long time ago. He, he he kicked on after that, won a lot of grade ones, a lot of grade races in Ireland. Um, just maybe he didn't win a grade one, he won a hell of a lot of grade races anyway. Galvin, it's, it's just all prices. I mean, he's seven to four for that, that three mile race off the back of a beginner's chase. Um, I just I just can't really get with him at that type of thing. You you just be looking for something, maybe an each way angle into the race or something something else. Um that's going to maybe show up a bit better when it steps up the three miles for the first time. For some, for instance, over fences like Capadano, a stable mate, um, just wouldn't be totally sure he, he's a pure three mile or, you know, he was running over two miles last year. Um, he was very good over two and a half in the Martin Pipe. The Punchestown race, he won over three miles. That was a very slowly run race. Not, not a million that they keep him at this trip. Um, we do know that they, they can give a movable feast for some of their targets for the novices. So, yeah, look, brilliantly impressive, but it's just the price does seem very short. Very short, and you're right. In Willie Mullins land, we don't know where any of these horses are going to go until about well, declarations, basically. Uh, Barry, the point I thought, just in terms of obviously, it would it take even if you're blind. Well, no, that's a ridiculous statement, but anyone could <laughs> anyone could see that this was a pretty impressive performance from a novice chaser. But the one thing that I thought watching it is we know Willie barely ever schools these horses, the chasers, and yet he looked like he'd been doing it all his life, this horse. Yeah, you could say that, Willie. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't say it about Willie, but I know his novice chasers at times have looked like they maybe lacked a bit of practice, but this I didn't. Likewise, a Blue Lord, both horses were foot perfect, but you could only be impressed with them. But I'd agree with Tony, the price, you know, it's, it's, it's desperate short. But, you know, if you take Bob Ollinger into account, you'd imagine three mile would be the route they'd want to go. Yeah, and then sticking with this sort of division, bringing it over to the UK, Barry, obviously we were, we were really looking forward to Brave Man's game versus Ahoy Senor uh, Kempson and it it did happen but for me again just didn't really feel like Ahoy Senor tipped up on the day and all those mistakes he was just knocking lengths out of him I felt. No I don't think he turned up on the day and the mistakes for me were a reflection on the horse wasn't gone he would he went down the back straight in Newbury on his previous win where he won 31 lengths and he's just powering away from the field he's winging fences he's charging he's taking everything on where in Kempton he wasn't going forward and it wasn't that it was going too hard it wasn't that the, for me it wasn't that the track was too sharp you know he won an entry as well big flat track last year he beat Braveman's game so I just I felt he was a little bit flat there was a lot of talk about this serious piece of work he did the week before the race and I just wonder did he maybe do a bit much that day because to me he underperformed the mistakes as I say were a reflection of him not travelling not carrying um, so I don't think he turned up he killed Tilly Briggs who's right on the 37 on his tail at the fourth last when he missed that he was a beaten horse with that mistake um, and he beat Kiltili Briggs 10 lengths, who's rated 137. So he had another £10 in hand on him, and that's as far as he could beat him. So I think he's a lot better than that, but give credit to the winner. He was really impressive. He jumped brilliantly again. He'd probably enjoy a stiffer track, although Paul is tying with the ideas of keeping for entry. I was reading lately, though, that he, he might just go to Cheltenham now. So um, interesting, but um, you know, I don't think Bradman's game had 
to beat as much on the day as we thought he would have. Yeah, agreed. And just focusing on the Brave Man's game, Barry, for a moment, just in terms of his uh, running style, it, it's pretty rare you see a horse, his style of running in that when he has that, Harry just sits on top of him with that loopy rate, as if he's in cruise control. Is that, can you tell me, is that from a jockey's point of view, is that because he can't go any faster and he's at his max? Or is that just because he's got that mentality that once he's set at a certain pace, he just is happy to stay there on that loopy rein? It's rare you see yeah, a horse like that. It is, but that's mostly just a horse who's relaxed. He's happy to travel and he travels at the race pace. He isn't keen. He isn't lazy. He's so measured at his fences. You can sit there and be confident. He's like riding an old timer. You know, you just sit and endure yourself, pop away, pop away. So no, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't think of it any great reflection on anything, only that he's just relaxed, which is a brilliant thing going into any festival. Just a lovely ride, whichever way you look at it. Uh, Tony, sticking with the novice chasers, obviously Fernie Hollow really stepped up on his debut to go ahead and win at Cheltenham. Um, sorry, go go to Leopardstown and win and beat Riviera to tell. That was a matchup I was re- really looking forward to. And I thought the mayor put in a stellar performance as well. But Fernie Hollow just too good on the day. A brilliant performance out of Fernie Hollow. I never was his greatest fan as a, as a bumper horse. Uh, I think he could beat in the first couple of days. Uh, it sort of went off him a bit, but... Um, Brilliant. Took away a whole great asset, which was front running. Uh, she jumped very well, but he just jumped amazing. Um, and she's she's come at him in the straight. Now, her head is a little bit in the air, and I think that's because she wasn't able to lead. But um, even with the weight concession, he, he's kind of well on top. So, you know, really a brilliant performance. I don't really want to be rushing to oppose him in an article um, at this stage. Very high level of form, very fast time, and... Um, only two chase starts and one hurdle starts, so there, there has to be loads of improvement to come with them too. Two to one, Barry, about the article now for Fernie Hollow. Uh, would would you be with him uh, for the race at this point at that price? Oh, you couldn't oppose him with that run. Um, you know, and um, the filly in second, Riviera to tell, she doesn't get so much weight off him from Cheltenham. So, no, that was a brilliant performance. The only you know concern you could have is that he mightn't just get home as well because he runs with the choke out and with his style of racing, but he won the bumper as a younger horse. Um, and I thought he kept going really well in Leopardstone, considering he had been keen and he'd gone so fast. So, no, I thought it was a fairly faultless performance. And his jumping had really improved from his from in a proper race now. It, I was amazed to see, because I sort of crabbed it a little bit on debut. But actually, he was it was a different kettle of fish altogether when he's able to go that pace in a higher a higher rated race. Yeah, it was definitely. But when you look back at his point just to win previously, he wasn't good early, but actually over the last four fences, he was really good. So I think he, he learned an awful lot through the early part of the race. And when he did get his confidence and got the speed up over the last four, he was brilliant. And he showed that in the leopards. And then from word go, he was he was good. And he will improve again. There was one or two getting close to where he just, you know, he probably in a bit of a hurry got himself in a little bit too close. But I'd say with more experience under his belt, he'll find he'd, he'd measure his fences better. And Barry, just sticking with you, I know you wanted to give a mention to Fury Road, who won the Neville's Hotel Novices Chase as well, uh, overturning the other Giggins Town horse that was uh, the first string. But it was a, a good ride, I thought, on the day. But I'm not sure I'd be with him. Is he 10 to 1 for the Brown Advisories Novices Chase at Cheltenham Festival now? I'm not sure I'd be with him at that price. Yeah, it was a good performance on the day. I'd say that drying ground suited him. Um, I had a big question mark over him with his finish in the Drinmore, he didn't see that out so well. And I just wonder, uh, the slow run race in Leopardstown, it might have just played to a strength where it didn't to Vanillier, who was outpaced from 
from three out and look the slow horse in it, but he'll be a better horse, I think, probably going for the National Hunt Chase or something like that. Um, run well, Fred ran really well. He was second Irish Grand National last year. You know, he's backed it up one in the Tritown. It's a good level of form, but I think the race was run to suit the winner on the day. And, you know, whether he can take it to the next level again come March is another question. Yeah, I'm taking that form as a touch sketchy at this stage as well. Let's move on to the novice hurdlers. Uh, there's so much to get through again. We saw so many nice types. And Sir Gerhard, Tony, I was really taken with. Uh, but I, do, I, I was sort of waxing lyrical, in fact, afterwards when I saw that performance. But I'm not sure you were in the same camp as me. V- visually brilliant. Um, jumped very well. Just um, like they can't all be machines, can they? Um, you know, the, 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 the you know the time was moderate, although admittedly he was quite quick from three out. Um, but you know the, the form of it there, Highland Charge had been run over and having the pain before that. Um, Ashtree Meadow was a catching on its previous start, um, but it's a really slowly run race for Fairy House. You've no idea what kind of level he ran to. Um, the first day, got the key horse. The horse was the best form of a hurdles meeting greet came out of it. Um, so yeah, I, I just think he's not one I'd be just getting carried away with yet. Champion bumper, that form really working out. Um, fits and starts, Punchestown race isn't really working out. Kill Crit, O'Toole one up and down Ryle, you know, working like enough to do so. So no, I, I think you know because he's won at Leperstown on the 26th of December and he's Chiefly Park and he's champion bumper winner. Just don't know now. I just think maybe he'd be a bit on the price the next day. And the same with that journey, um, journey with me, journey for me, whatever his name is, um, <laughs> Henry the Bromley's horse. So everyone's saying it's a graded race beforehand. Um, it didn't look like a graded race now on the day. Um, I'm not sure that was much of a race either. Like Gordon Elliott's horse, Manella Cocoon, or I don't think anyone is thinking is a Cheltenham horse. He would have been right up his arse now if he'd have jumped a hurdle. He jumped terrible. And he was still closing down um, the Rabka horse, the lane. Kilcrit, um, something's gone wrong with Kilcrit on the torn in there. Maybe it's happened before and he's lost his action. Um, but he just looks, he's just hanging in and looks like he doesn't fancy it um, in a state where there's no hurdle there. So I, it, that's not really his form. Now, now maybe he has a physical issue and needs a bit of time off. So I think both of those now, uh, like they're single figures, I think, for both of Cheltenham targets. Yeah, maybe the next day they will prove it at graded level. But to me, they're going to be favourites for whatever graded races they're running in. Um, and I'd be inclined to try and get both of them beat. Um, whether it be the Dublin race, whether it be the Dublin race festival, wherever the pitch up. It's a negative on Sir Gerhard, who's five to one currently for the Supreme, and a negative on Journey with me, uh, who's six to one for the Ballymore. Uh, Tony, I just wanted to ask you very briefly: uh, Are you reading anything too much into this whole chat about Henry de, de Bromhead stable form at the moment? Obviously, Envoy Allen kind of fell in, then he had Journey with Me, which was a bit of a uh, standout performance of his Christmas. But other than that, a little bit disappointing elsewhere. Are you reading anything into that? I'm. I'm not the greatest. A believer in stable form in these very small um, pockets and patches as in weeks and fortnights and things like that. Um, now, someone seems to be a trainer having a bad... Now, Jessica Harrington is out of form at the minute. I 100% accept that. Um, like, she, the woman has gone two months without a winner, like a 60 or 70 runners and things like that. Um, I, I would totally accept that. And then she's kind of very streaky. She's come to Punchestown, she's have six winners or something. Um, and she was absolutely flying at the end of the flat season. And I'd say Horbin, a, kind of a mixed yard, is feeding into that a little bit. Like you can't be everything. Willie Mullins can be everything, but the rest of them can't. Um, so the Henry de Brown, I think, I, I don't know. 
But just coming back to last last year, like he had the perfect storm at Cheltenham. Everything went great. Then he went on and won a Grand National. What was his highest number of Cheltenham winners in a year prior to that? Well, two maybe. Um, two, yeah. Yeah, like is he just regressing to the mean? Um, you know, is he going to be a, a trainer now that's going to have six or seven winners at Cheltenham? Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott do that most seasons, um, expecting them to be to be that good. Might be a little bit of a too high of an expectation. Like like last year, last year might be the exception rather than the rule. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I haven't really answered your question there, but the same from I don't know. Some of them did run terribly. Um, he has, I haven't seen anything really in the steward report about them coughing or things like that. There were a few Jessica Harrington that said they'd scope wrongly. Wrong, so that that kind of adds up a little bit. But um, as regards his, uh, something may come out um, about that afterwards. But uh, I don't really know. Well, either way, it's very interesting going forward. And you know, there'll be lots of short prize Henry the Bromhead horses between now and Cheltenham, and it will just be interesting to see how the stable form goes. Uh, one yard who obviously is in still brilliant form and seems to never have a bad week, month or year is, of course, Paul Nichols. Uh, he took the Charlie Hurdle again, Barry Garrity, with Stage Star, who's now 8-1 to one for the Ballymore. Um, I didn't think it was much of a grade one race, if I'm being deadly honest, but he did it nicely all the same. It probably wasn't, but he did it well and he's been he's three from three over hurdles and he's been very impressive in everything he's done. But I'm not sure if this division just has shaped up fully yet. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Classic getaway is in on Thursday in Clamel. He could be one who could step in here. So I think we just need to we need to see one put his head above the water. But stage star is he's a good horse, he's worthy to be there towards the head of the market, but he wouldn't just look like a superstar yet. A bit of a murky old scene, I would agree with that. Uh, the Triumph Hurdle category had a bit of a, the juveniles had a bit of a shake-up over the festive season. We had Phil Dorr winning in Leopardstown and then Porzicello winning the grade one at Chepstow, the finale hurdle. Uh, I was impressed with Phil Dorr. I, actually, I was impressed with both of them. I thought, what I loved about the Porzicello race, just on a side note, is, and I get that... Um, Jamie Moore is in a position to be able to do this, but he really learned lessons from the Doncaster run. And then when he was interviewed, he sort of, he made that very clear that basically he made a mistake at Doncaster and he was going to make much more use of Porticello in the grade one finale hurdle. And that's exactly what he did. And then uh, bang, and he goes into the winner's enclosure and just sort of, it kind of made me think how we're not used to, jockeys being self-critical because of course not all of them are in such safe positions with their jobs and so obviously they don't want to say anything negative whereas actually the more team are a bit of a revelation but I do guess that I get get that that's sort of a because of the circumstances there with the father-son operation but either way they learned a lot from Doncaster and they went in and went went a grade one with him uh, but would he be a triumph hurdle horse for you Barry going forwards Porticello? I think he's the right type. He stays so well. That's his, that's his big thing. But his jumping for me is a, a little bit of a question mark. Um, he can jump well, but he can be very erratic at times. And he was that way when he uh, was in Weatherby on his previous start, likewise Doncaster and again in Chepster. So I think he is a good horse, but I just worry that not necessarily he's going to wait him on the ground, but he could just make a bad enough mistake to wipe out all chance. Where Phil Dore, although he wasn't tidy at the last in Leopardstown, he's very good. Um, he's also a horse with very little experience, racing experience. Um, so he's, he's improving the whole time. I like him. I was very relaxed, very laid back. And likewise, he stays really well. So um, I think they're two very good horses. But for me, I'd be going with Phil Dorr. 
yeah, I'll be with Fildor too. He's not necessarily a standard sort of triumph hurdle type horse, but uh, he looks to have a huge engine and tick lots of boxes. And he's such a professional, I thought, even though he's had that limited experience compared to many, he seems like a real professional. Uh, Tony, let's move on to any other business and picking up a few pieces elsewhere. Uh, I think you like the look of heaven help us for the mayor's hurdle now. I do, yeah. Mare's Hurdle, very different race to what it's been in, in previous years. Uh, often frames you'd have a short price, Willie Mullins, Tarsa, a Bendis or a Concertista, or an Annie Power going back, or a Vega. Um, very open race this year. I think it's going to be one of those four or five to one field races, and that's something very strange happens. Um, thought the Leperstown race in 29 was probably quite informative. Ryan Kahala, um, very worthy winner on the day, but a couple of takeaways that she probably isn't really a chatting horse. Obviously, she's disappointed at the meeting last year. Um, I don't think she hurdles well enough as well. But the biggest thing was the, the trainer said after, like, the ground wasn't soft enough for her in Leperstown. The shield was soft. So she's basically looking for um, English heavy, I would say, to be competitive in a mare's hurdle to slow the rest of them down. Very good horse um, under her ideal conditions. She's ironed in the middle of the winter. She's very hard to beat. But Cheltenham March, unless it's going to be soft, heavy ground, I don't really like her for that. Um, tell me something, Gerald. She ran really well. She came out best horse at the weights um, in that race and is an obvious player. But I think there's a bit more in heaven help us. Even though she was nicely in the weights, she had no penalty. Um, she is a brilliant Cheltenham record now. Obviously won the Carl Cup last year, um, won a maiden hurdle there. She ran in the Shishkin Supreme and she was, oh, she, she, Shishkin did a lot wrong that day. She had everything go wrong for that day as well and she would have been a massive price. And then she's, run okay in the um, international hurdle a few weeks ago over two miles two miles should be too sharp for her. the big angle with her is the cheek pieces like they haven't been on since last spring so i presume they're, they're holding them back um for the mayor's hurdle uh, would make sense i think while tell me something girl is going to be better in now when they're meeting up levels um in march i think the cheek pieces might be enough to get a bit of improvement out of hennessy's mayor um I think she's a bit, I, I feel back to straight after the, the race, um, and I think she's 12 or 14 to 1 for that. I think in an open year with her track form and a little bit of potential for improvement, um, she had, is a bit overpriced anyway. Um, and the other thing, yeah, I was just going to mention with a view to Cheltenham, the Pretemps qualifier at Leperstown at 28, I thought that was the proper race. Um, I'd expect that to be a strong piece of form. You've the right horses coming to the fore, kind of unexposed ones. Um, Panda boy, he just looks a pure three mile on He'll stay all day. He he might want now a bit of soft ground at Cheltenham, but if he's there um involved at all coming to the last, I expect him to be staying on well. And uh, um the yeah, Emmett Mullins horse winter fog. Um he didn't jump the first two great and came from the back. I thought Danny Mullins he got a lovely trip through now. He 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 sort of wriggled his way through into a lovely position and the only problem was the horse got there a bit too soon. Um, and he travelled really nice. You know, he he'd be wondering if they got a bit of nice ground at Cheltenham. You could definitely see him travelling and, and going very close. Like there have been horses that I think they've looked non stairs in the Irish qualifiers for this. I think um, was it present? Presenting Percy looking non stair at one point, or Maldini maybe. Maldini maybe it was actually the other Pat Kelly horse didn't seem to get home in some of the, the Irish qualifiers. Winter fog might be similar when he gets a bit of nice ground. You, he, he could absolutely thrive in it. So. Yeah, they, they, now of course we don't have a clue what the English handicappers going to do, but they'd definitely be two now that would be, to me, would be big players if they're anyway reasonably weighted. Obvious, but but should be there thereabouts. 
Oh, plenty to take away there. And heaven help us just for viewers there is, yeah, like Tony said, roughly 12, 14 to 1 for the Mayor's Hurdle. So uh, on the case that Tony Keenan has just made, that prize might not hang around for too long. Uh, Barry, quick mention to Mighty Potter winning a grade one. Largy Davy disappointed on the day and ran a funny race, but um, Tony reliably informs me that I think he bled on the day. And the race didn't probably go that well for the eventual winner, but he looked a very nice type. But I'm not sure... Well, actually, would he be a supreme type for you, Barry? Is he, he's, he's a big enough price in there against what I think are some potentially speedier individuals. Yeah, it looks a very classy race, obviously, John Bond and Constitution Hill at the top. Um, so, so Gerard, you question with him as well. Um, but no, I thought this it was a good performance. Um, and he has a lot of pace. He showed a bit of improvement from, from Farios in the Royal Bond when he was third. Um, but no, I thought he was good in Leopardstown. And I'd say he's a horse with his size and an age. He can improve again between here and Cheltenham. So at probably 14 to 1 or something like that, you could have worse bets than him as an each way for the, for the Supreme. But there's a good bit of strength at the top of the market. And I, my uh, producer is cross with me for not talking about Blue Lords, Barry, who I think you wanted to mention as well. And we'll edit this back into the relevant section. But just a quick word on Blue Lord as well. Yeah, I thought Blue Lord was really good in this. Um, it was a it was a competitive race. He made it a one horse race. Um, you know, good level of form over hurdles. He was keen over hurdles. He seems far more relaxed. His jumping is brilliant. Um, so albeit it was not a lot in his plate taking on Fernie Hollow, um, he just could be the value each way in the race. But I thought it was just a really good performance in this, and he's he's a horse going the right way. Okay, we like that. We'll take that. Uh, and Tony, just a quick mention from you with Mighty Potter. We, would you be in any way interested with him uh, for spring festivals over the two miles or is he one to sort of keep an eye on for further down the line at this stage? Yeah, both. Uh, I liked him at Leopardstown. Um, Largy debut just didn't turn up between the bleeding and, and the shift and right train. I wouldn't have a good record in that type of race. I think I looked this up and the only Grade one, two main novice hurdle winner he ever had was a lucky one, Sajan John, a short one, a Willie Mullins fell in this same race. Um, but Mighty Potter, I, I know the three straight life made a Hames at the second last and that put him on the back foot, but he also thought he was close enough jumping the last and Mighty Potter was always holding him, lugging about, lugging this way and that. Just seems like a horse is going to keep improving. I, I definitely wouldn't be negative on him. I, I think he's been possibly been a little bit underestimated. We can argue they're a little bit in the heat behind, but he doesn't seem like a sort of horse going to do an awful lot uh, when he hits the front. And may, Fairy House was a bit of a mess of a race, and maybe he's a bit like Field Door. I think both those might be on soft ground. Um, it, they looked weren't as weren't as visually impressive at Fairy House, albeit in better race than they were at Down Royal, and then vi really visually good uh, on the softer ground at Leopardstown. Okay, so lots to take out of this novice hurdling division then. Uh, so Gerhard a negative, Mighty Potter a positive, a few left field thoughts there, lots to take away from basically the whole of the Christmas recap from the boys. Uh, some different angles there, hopefully, than what you have heard already. Let's focus in very briefly, Barry, at the week ahead. Uh, it's pretty quiet now. From now, for a good couple of weeks, we have a bit of a quiet spell both in England and Ireland, but the toll with Hurdle uh, you will be looking at with great interest, courtesy of Constitution Hill. Uh, how is he? What, what's the update? Have you heard anything? He obviously goes here, all systems go, it seems. Yeah, Nico sent me a photo of him the other day in the stable, so he, he's very happy with him. Um, yeah, work is good, in good form, goes here. Um, 
and he should be hard to beat. The strongest level of form looks like might I versus 14 lengths behind him. So it there's plenty there with chances, but as I say, he looks he looks the pick of the rest. Um, and he's 14 lengths to find with Constitutional, who you'd like to think will have improved for both the fitness and experience of that run in Sandown. Slower ground shouldn't be an issue for him. He wouldn't want it too fast. Um, anyway, so a horse who generally wants a bit of juice wouldn't mind a little bit more. So um, no, I, I believe that everyone's happy with him and I'd be happy watching him on, on Saturday. Yeah, we'll look forward to his next stepping stone. A few people sort of been whispering, wondering, musing about whether John Bonner and Constitution Hill will go to the Supreme. Obviously, both from the same ER, but you've made the point before that at this stage, you can't imagine A, Constitution Hill needing much further, but also B, he he's run plenty in this race uh, in the past, Nicky. So it's not as if he's sort of the sort of trainer who'd want to split them if they both need and need and want the two miles at this stage in their career. So I can't see them going different ways just at this point anyway. Not at this point, no. And I, I was chatting with Nicky after Constitution Hill's last win and he said at the minute he doesn't need to go any further. So wait and see. There's a lot of water to go under the bridge between here and Cheltenham. Um, but, you know, he wouldn't be afraid to run two. Sprinter, Sacker and Spirit, some were second and third in the Supreme. We were second and third at Justice Hill and Banner too another year. So, no, he's not afraid to run two of his fancy ones together. Who who beat Sprinter, Sacker in that Supreme? Alfaroff beats Spirit, Son. I was in Spirit, Son and Sprinter, Sacker was third. Hell of a race. Hell of a race. Uh, let's move on to tracker time because... We've had a boom time when it comes to the tracker horses, courtesy of most of our viewers will expect be expecting me to say Tony because he just delivers tracker horses for us. Uh, but actually, this time you, Barry Garrity, Master McShee, anyone in a in a Grade One, Tony making a case before the show started that you get double points for that. I'm not sure about that, but you must have been delighted all the same. Oh, it was a great performance. I was delighted. Um, he caught me eye that day in, in uh, Gorm when he was third to Bob Ollinger. Well beat 16 lengths, but his first run, he improved a lot for it. Ian Power gave him a brilliant ride. Um, dropped him in, crept, they went fast on heavy ground and just delivered him with a, with a sustained challenge. It just only barely got up in the line. Paddy Corkery also his trainer, has only four horses at home and to get a horse back who bled towards the end of last season. Um, and produce them like this for his first grade one and Ian's first grade one. So it was a brilliant success for both of them. And Tony, have you had any tracker winners yet? I mean, you no, must have done. No, no Jay at all so far. No, we're very impressed oh. with, with Barry's picking there. And yeah, like that, a great bit of training out of um, Paddy Corkery, given the, 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 the backdrop of the bleeding and so on. Yeah, but a, a proper race to be winning. And um I think he enjoys his winners. He was talking about how he was going to have to find somewhere that was serving a bit of Guinness after eight o'clock or something on the way home. He was going to celebrate and why not? Yeah, absolutely. It was a great one, of the great festive stories. Uh, but Barry, your, your track horse for this time around, sorry, I, I forgot to ask you what your track horse is from the last 10 days or so of racing. Yeah, Tom, am I right? Um, who was fourth behind um, Journey With Me in Leopardstown, Kilcrudd, third uh, Manila Crooner in second. I'd agree with uh, Tony that I'm not fully convinced that this race is just quite as strong as everyone was making it out to be, but still it, this had caught my eye. Um, Travelled really well, jumped brilliantly, jumped big. He's also going to improve for the experience, but he's a horse for the future, the way he jumped. Travelled, kept going nicely, first run, um, having only won a point to point on his only other start. So I thought it was a smart performance in what you would say is a good race, but I don't think it's the grade one it's meant to be. 
Interesting, very interesting. And Tony, your track of horse, I'm sure you probably had a long list to choose from after all this Christmas racing, but who did you settle on in the end? Yeah, he's not probably, you know, the obvious track of horse and things. I'm just going to give him an, another chance. I think a horse called Cotty McAvenny Goal, great name. Um, I think some West Ham United related um, famous goals from way back in the 80s or something. Um, maybe even before the back than that. No, he was sixth in the two-mile handicap horse at Leperstown on the 27th. I'm just going to go back to his previous run at Navin. He was off a break um, and I thought he shaped the best horse that day when he was second. Just got um, just given a, a little bit too much to do um, in a race that has worked out really well. Um, the winner of the handicap order at Leperstown came out from behind him. Um, Influential Lady has, has um, won a race that was 4,000 years. Looked like it was going to get involved in Torless when it fell. It was the fifth or the sixth. Now, the Leperstown race, it looked like there was going to be no pace in it and Brides Hill got a soft lead and I think it was Sean O'Keefe was riding this horse um, tried to counteract that by going forward and sat second, which was a good idea in terms of shape of the race, but unfortunately it just doesn't seem to suit this horse. I thought he completely over-raced and looked like he was going to go very close, I think, between the last two and just faded out of it. Um, so that kind of looks like a bad run and I'd say it's anything but. And I think if you can get into a more typical two-mile handicap hurdle um, with a bit of pace on and you can get a little bit of cover, I'd be expecting them to step forward and come back to that kind of navin form rather than this run, which makes him look kind of just ordinary. I don't think he is. I think he's actually quite well handicapped um, yeah. and quite unexposed. And he's with a um, Shane Cawley, very capable trainer with, this type of horse tends to place them well and I think you find a race from uh, someone the next uh, month or so. Okay, well, we'll put that in the track of the horse with a ridiculous name, very hard to say, but uh, Tony's made a very decent case for a well-handicapped horse there. I was going to go with a very obvious one, but everyone laughed at me for it being too obvious. Uh, another J.P. Manor's horse that I like to look of was Govan in the Sir Gerhard uh, hurdle at Leopardstown. Just thought he travelled like a good horse. He was obviously making his Irish debut. as two from two in France. Uh, when Mark Walsh should have asked him to go up into the bridle, he looked to have plenty there in the tank. And then the sort of front few got away from him a little bit. And then he had a very easy time but up to the line. I just thought he looked like a horse. I and mean, it's a pretty obvious one, to be honest with you. But he looked like a horse. He had plenty more left in the locker. Uh, not his day at Leopardstown against Sir Gerhard, but definitely one for the future in Govan. Uh, other than that, I think we have rattled through all the racing from the festive period as best we can. Loads of takeaways, hopefully a few anti-post bets in there. Heaven help us, I'm going off to back her for the mayor's hurdle, uh, courtesy of Tony, but elsewhere, lots of good cases made going forward. Uh, we'll be dissecting the Tolworth hurdle and more in the next episode of Off The Fence. Uh, do hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. My producer keeps telling me to tell you all that. That way you won't miss a single episode. And why would you want to, especially from now until the Cheltenham Festival as we build up to not just Cheltenham, but all the big spring festivals. Cannot wait. Uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode. Loads of takeaways for you. Thank you very much for watching. That was Off The Fence. <laughs>